Hello, my name is Chad Kelly. The topic we will be discussing today is buying a home. Surprisingly enough, this decision can be one of the biggest factors in having enough money for retirement. We'll be covering some of the common questions we receive. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about home purchases. This is a fun topic that I'm sure you get quite frequently as a financial advisor. Um, so we're going to talk about, you know, how expensive of a home can I, can I buy? So we get this question all the time from clients that are at the beginning of their career all the way through retirement. And so one of the common questions we get is, when is the right time to build a home? So, you know, there's pe- we have a lot of clients who are in residency who ask that question in the fellowship asking that question um, out of fellowship out of their training sometimes just barely some a lot of years you know what's the right answer is there a right answer yeah sometimes you even get that question for with medical students they yeah it's often considered as at what point in my life should i be buying a home versus renting um and it's really specific or dependent on the person uh and the area in which they're training or desire to live in the future. We've had a number of clients that have been in training in an area of the country where they don't necessarily want to live forever, but they bought a home there and then weren't able to sell it at a price that they wanted when they left. And so then they're subject to holding a rental property after they are finished in their training when they move to the part of country that they want to live in. And for some people, that's that's a good thing. And some people, (laughs) they hate it, right? They hate it, yeah. Because they, sometimes if you don't have a tie to that city, then um, the only thing that keeps you connected there is the property. And you have to maintain the property and make sure that it's uh, the property management company is doing the things they need to do. Anyway, that's not really directly answering your question, but we do have that question come up. Usually we'll tell people if they intend to live in a place for you know five to six years, then it may make sense to purchase a home. Because during that period of time, even if the uh, the real estate market cracks or there's a drop in market value, usually over any kind of intermediate period of time like that, the market prices will recover and kind of bounce back. You at least be able to sell it for what you bought it for. Um, anytime before that, like sometimes you get people saying, "Well, I'm going to live there for three years just while I'm in residency. Should I do it?" <clears throat> I usually explain the the pros and the cons and then let the person make their own assessment. Um, but I don't think I'd suggest someone to buy a home if they only thought they'd be there for a few years. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. People a lot of times will describe their situation and say, you know, I, I plan on being maybe in Utah for three years. Housing market right now seems to just be going up. I'll buy a house three years from now. I'll sell it, make money, and I'm off to the races, you know, onto the next house. And, you know, if our crystal ball is working correctly, you know, if it was clear, we could we could project whether that's that would happen or not but you know there's always the risk that the market doesn't you know and if it doesn't then suddenly you're owning a house that didn't really appreciate in value and um, it kind of becomes a ball and chain in a way there's all sorts of exterior factors like uh, uh, em- employers in the area you know if a large employer lives near where your home is at and they decide to leave the city or the area you know, there's, there's many factors that go into market prices but homes, like any other asset, fluctuate in price. And um, sure, you can take the risk if, if you really feel that's something you desire to do. 
but in most cases, people in training, medical training, uh, prefer to, to minimize their risk. It seems like usually there's there's negative feelings around renting, the idea of renting that you're just giving your money away. Um, is that a good fit for physicians? Like, say you you land the job where you you foresee yourself there for decades. You know, should they jump right into buying a house? Should they rent? What what do you think? Um, it kind of depends on the area and if they're familiar with that area. So let's say they moved to Salt Lake City where we're located and they've never lived in Salt Lake before. They have no idea what neighborhoods they might like and school districts. They still maybe are learning about the schools that are they want their kids to go to. Um, and so I think it can be valuable if you're unfamiliar with an area to spend some time learning about the area, see if you like it. If it's a new area to you, you may decide you thought you wanted to live there forever, but you decide you hate it and you didn't want to live there forever. So if you rented for 12 months while you looked for a home and uh, learned about the area and found the area in which you want to live, I think that's ideal or recommended. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, another, uh, you know, I, I think it could be argued that purchasing a home is one of the one of the decisions that will have the biggest ripple effect on your financial success in retirement. You know, why do you, do you see that with your clients that this decision has a ripple effect that is is seen thirty years out, forty years out? Yeah, that that's a good uh, way to phrase that statement. <clears throat> Most people don't even connect the two. Like, uh, how could buying a home? Actually, most people listening to this podcast are probably saying, "How could buying a home uh, impact my retirement?" <clears throat> and the reality is that it what it's doing is detracting from how much money you could be saving for retirement. And so, if you overextend on a home purchase, um, you'd have less money to put in other places, such as retirement savings. And so I think, yeah, it can have an impact on your retirement future. For example, if you buy a home that, that stretches your means and you really have nothing left over after your mortgage payment and living expense, then you might be working till you're 70. Yeah. You know, maybe a, an average savings rate for physicians is, is around 20%. So, you know, if you say I'm saving 20% of my income in retire for retirement, uh, maybe I pay tithes and offerings might take up to another 10% student loan debt, then a mortgage, then running a household. Um, and then once your kids, if you have kids, they get older and they get more expensive. Um, it, it's easy to see how um, you know making several hundred thousand dollars a year quickly vanishes. Uh, and some of those factors you can control, some you can't. A, a home can be argued that it's one of those factors you can control. Yeah, oftentimes you look at a mortgage payment and someone coming out of training uh, who may be accustomed to making fifty-five or 60000 a year look at their new salary or their estimated starting salary and think, wow, $200,000 a year or, or more. There's plenty to make a $5,000 mortgage payment or something. It could be going through someone's mind. But after you take out all the expenses of life and taxes and savings, um, yeah, the, the money kind of goes quickly. And we want we encourage people to earmark some of that money in advance for retirement savings and other financial objectives and goals. And if your mortgage is um, not sized appropriately, then you won't have enough money for those other things you want to do. Yeah. You know, another common series of questions we get, a lot of people 
say, hey, I'm ready to buy a house. I've heard of this thing called a physician home loan. You know, should I consider that instead of a, a more traditional type mortgage? In your experience, have you found that they've been good fits for physicians? Or, you know, what are kind of some of the basic ideas around a physician home loan? Yeah, physician home loans are interesting. It's um, There's a lot of incentive for financial institutions to acquire uh, people who can make their payments. So a bank will structure a physician home loan because they feel like a physician has high earning capacity and they tend to be good borrowers to make their payments on time. And so they're willing to make some exceptions for for that arrangement or situation. Statistically, they they always make their payments, right? Yeah, yeah, they tend to do that, <clears throat> which is a great characteristic. Um, a couple of downsides to the physician loans would be um, the rate, well, I guess one in particular, rates tend to be a little bit higher, at least that's what we've seen, uh, because you have less down payment normally. Yeah. So a physician home loan in its structure, essentially you put down less money. Um, they tend to waive the um, mortgage insurance premium, and then, uh, but in exchange for that, typically the rate is slightly higher. Yeah. In some cases, it allows people to get into the house they they want, where another you know otherwise they don't have a ten or twenty percent down payment or whatnot, but they they do have a high income. So you know, some right out of residency might say. Um, I'm going to be making a lot of money here in the next few months. I don't have a lot of money right now, and we want to move right into the house that we like. Yeah, so it, it could create a situation where they get into that house. It can be a great tool. Uh, also, they can lend on a contract, which is different than what most uh, mortgages will be based on, a, like a pay stub or a series of pay stubs. Yeah. And so a physician home loan lender, someone who's qualified and good in that process, um, can land on a contract, so just based off your future employment. Um, I would say that many, many people would love to work with physicians because they, um, because of the income associated with their profession. But if you're going to do a physician home loan, I would search around and make sure you find someone who's very qualified and does a lot of physician home loans. In the state of Utah, there's a handful of people who do a lot of them. And uh, we'd encourage you to, to visit with one of those because they have, have gone through this a number of times and, and can see the pitfalls that may be potentially there. Yeah, they're not learning how to do the process on you. Yeah. Um, another common question we get is, well, how much of my take-home pay or my monthly income or my annual income should the mortgage represent? What, what are some, I don't know, I guess some... Rules of thumb, and rules of thumb, we've talked about this in other podcasts, but they can be dangerous because they, they typically apply to the masses, and physicians are on the the higher end of income, on the spectrum of income, compared to their peers, and so they're a little bit of outliers in that, that aspect, but what are some kind of rules of thumb or general guidance that people should consider when think, saying, how expensive should my house be? Um, we usually say two to three times of someone's gross income. Okay. Um, that's a good rule of thumb, I think. There are other ways to measure this. So you can also say some other guidance might be like 28% of someone's gross income could be used to service their mortgage debt. And then uh, we, there are other uh, uh, rules such as like 36% um, would be your total debt service. So like your auto loans, your student debt, your house. 
Um, physicians are unique in that they do have a substantial amount, typically, of student debt, unless they're fortunate with a, someone from their family who helped them pay for it or had scholarships or, or worked really, really hard um, in medical school, maybe worked at the same time or something. But for the most part, m- most have uh, quite a significant amount of student debt. And so this is why a physician home loan could be important because they understand the student debt and, and can factor that in. Normally, so those are good rules of thumb. I don't I don't necessarily like to see someone spend maybe more than 20% of their gross income on a on a mortgage. Yeah. <clears throat> so to put that in dollar terms, if you made $200,000, 20% uh would be about $3300 a month. Okay. And um I anything more than that kind of feels uncomfortable to me. Banks will lend uh sometimes more than the 36%. I think in the low 40s. Um yeah, I I remember uh when we first bought our house six years ago, um, it went through the approval process to buy the house. They they listed how much they would lend to me, and I remember feeling kind of shocked. Like, you would honestly give me that that much money? I felt like it's almost all, almost irresponsible mm-hmm. for the lender, right? Sometimes they'll le- they'll lend more than what's good for you. Yeah, I've been actually studying. This ties into the kind of one of the triggering events of the Great Recession in two thousand eight, and I recently read a statistic that said. Seventy percent of all mortgages originated in two thousand seven were uh, to subprime borrowers. Oh like, wow! Yeah. To um, so financial institutions have the incentive, the financial incentive to lend as much as they can because that means they make you more in interest. Yeah. But uh, borrower needs to be smart enough to know what's reasonable for their situation. And I think, although there's those rules of thumb, I think less than. 20% or less on a mortgage is probably comfortable to allow you to do some other things you'd like to accomplish in your life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we see all too often that people come in and say, you know, I make you know, terrific money. And at the end of every month, I have no money left over. And so we say, well, what are you spending your money on? And so we go through the list and um, they're not necessarily buying like ridiculous things like, I don't know, exotic pets or you know, <laughs> exotic cars or anything. They're just buying expensive things, right? They they bought a really expensive house, really expensive cars, and consequently, you can you can almost see in these these individuals' relationships with their family members the tension that it the ripple effect it has, right? And so, you know, I'll bet if they could turn back the wheels of time, they would say, "Man, I probably would have bought a little bit less expensive home," and that translate to uh, a little less tension in my relationship with my spouse or family members, and. Uh, I might be able to enjoy life a little bit more, which 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 is interesting because you always think the big house brings enjoyment and, and happiness, right? But it can be a curse sometimes, I guess. For sure. Um, another another question we get is people will say, you know, by the time I retire, I imagine my home will be paid off and I'll have a ton of equity tied up into this house. Is it realistic for me to think, you know, I'll just in retirement sell the house, pull out some of that equity? And use that for funding my retirement needs. Do you find that that's that's practical, or do you find people use that strategy? Uh, we have we do see that occasionally. Um, there can be some pitfalls with it. For example, let's say the market's not uh, not really aligned with your goals, and the housing market doesn't have enough liquidity or interest, and so you aren't able to sell your house. So it could be the case you get to retirement and the, the during those few years that you enter retirement, there's 
not a very strong real estate market and the prices went down. Yeah. So now you have less than you thought you had. Additionally, most people like to just trade across or they'll trade for two. Like they'll they'll downsize their primary residence but then pick up a condo somewhere that they'd like to spend time part yeah. of the year. So while the, their primary residence does cost less, they just put the, the difference into a, a condo. Second, home. <laughs> Second yeah. home, yeah. Yeah, so I, we see that quite a bit. Also, there's uh, over the last few years, you've seen a lot more of these uh, reverse mortgages being advertised or sold. At the end of the day, it just comes down to most people don't want to take money out of their house. They want to view their home as as a place for them to live. Um, most people don't want to be forced to sell their house, and most people don't want to borrow against their house. So with proper planning from a, as you start out your career, and even in mid-career, if you, if you find yourself in a situation where you feel like, wow, I'm upside down in this house, I shouldn't have this home, I'd like to have more liquidity, it's not too late to, to fix the problem until, I guess, until it's too late So, at retirement. So I, I think control how much you have in debt uh, so that you can save the difference and have a reasonable priced house. And, and if you want to use that rule of thumb of two to three times, that's a good rule of thumb. So, for example, if I made two hundred thousand dollars a year, I wouldn't want to have. I'd have a home between four and six hundred thousand dollars, and that's a reasonable uh, market value based on your house. Some markets, uh, people listen to this across the country, and um, probably not finding a six hundred thousand dollar house in San Francisco that's worth much, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So these are rules of thumb, and during maybe you say, well, I had to get eight hundred thousand dollar house just to be able to buy a house, and and you have a plan for that, that that's fine. Um, but I think- and For some people, I imagine it probably comes in stages too, right? They kind of work up to the more expensive houses, they build equity and some of their other debts decrease. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess if student loan debts are paid off or out of the picture, your bet, your budget just got bigger, right? Yeah. You, you can allocate more money towards a, a mortgage payment. Yeah, spend the first five or six years in a home that's less expensive while you get your debt paid off and then you have more free cash flow to allocate in other places. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, you know, this is just kind of a handful of some of the questions we get, Um, but we do find that this is a very important topic that does have a significant impact in someone's success in retirement. So thank you for taking some time and uh, walking through these questions. Um, Anyone who has questions can reach out to Eric or myself or one of the advisors here, and we'd be happy to take a dive into um, helping decide, you know, should I buy a house? When's the right time? Um, But Eric, thank you for joining and sharing some of your thoughts. You bet. Thank you. All right.